Hi, y'all. It's me. This conversation that we have for you today is one of the most impactful conversations that I've had in my entire year and maybe in the top five of my entire life. This thing happens to me where I call it falling down the rabbit holy spirit of the internet. And I got caught the other day looking at career pages of people looking for people to work for them. And I do this sometimes just to see what people are, what they're calling their jobs, what they're looking for, what the benefits are, what things are changing and shifting out there. And I came upon a career page that was outrageous. I, the jobs look totally normal, but the benefit packages and things that are offered are things I'd never seen before. So I sent an email seeing if maybe I could interview somebody at the company. Not only did they send me somebody, they sent me the CEO and she is amazing. She's the CEO actually of two very successful companies. Her name is Sonia Passi and she runs two companies. One is the Chani app and the second one is called Free From. You should look them up. They're totally worth looking at. They're amazing. Their mission statements are incredible. And check out those career pages because that's how this conversation came to be. I am so proud of this conversation just for even being out there. And this conversation was so impactful. I almost cried a couple times because it just felt like coming home. So I hope you enjoy it. Bye. In a world where workplaces are sometimes toxic for people, and humanity has been squeezed out by outdated rules. How do leaders who care create enlivened workplace cultures? This show has the answers. On Let's Make Work Human, we discuss how organizations can meet their mission and make a profit without squeezing the life out of people. The path to how lies in unbreakable connections, clear purpose, and real partnerships that debunk and demolish old mindsets about the world of work. I'm Mo Carrick, and I'm a beekeeper, mother of adults, CEO, culture expert, award-winning entrepreneur, and best-selling author. And I'm joined on this show by my colleague and friend, awesome coach, mother of a toddler, award-winning creative, DEI facilitator, and millennial, Nayrats. Together, we tackle teams that gossip, leaders who are bad for people, partnering while working, belonging, and so much more with an irreverent and honest look at what it takes to make every workplace fit for the human beings who work there. We're on a mission to stop the suck and restore humanity to work. This show will warm your heart, challenge your thinking, and leave you laughing out loud. Let's do it. Awesome. Sonia, it's so nice to have you. I'm so glad you're here. I was just explaining to you that I am feeling kind of starstruck and a little bit anxious because I know exactly what it what I got here. And this is a really, really big thing. So I understand that your time, especially an hour is pretty magical. So I'm not going to mess it up. Will you just tell everybody just a little bit about who you are, uh, what your pronouns are, and what your role is? at the company and what company you work for. Sure, absolutely. My name is Sonia. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am 34 years old, a queer survivor of gender-based violence. I have two jobs. I am the CEO and co-founder of Chani App, which I built and run with my wife, Chani Nicholas. And I am the CEO and founder of Free From, 
which is a national organization focused at the intersection of gender-based violence and economic insecurity. I am the CEO of both, which day-to-day means I'm doing everything from big vision, multi-year planning, new project scheming, innovating, to supporting and building our team culture, our team hiring, making sure that folks on the team are getting what they need to do their job, developing new products, uh, really everything is my job. <laughs> uh, the Chani team is a team of 31 and the Freeform team is a team of 22. So that's a lot of people that I'm talking to every day and working with every day. And I will tell you this, you talked earlier about your rising sign. I am a Sagittarius rising. So wow. running two companies feels on point. As a side. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. So just for everybody's like clarity into how this conversation is even happening, because we don't usually work with companies like Chang, just because like most of our work is based on how to make workplaces thrivable. Mm. And we spend a lot of time talking in systems that are, you know, toxic or headed that way and having conversations like that. So I have done some research about many many companies and specifically looking at their career pages, which is how I found you. Because often when we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, the first place to look is at people's career pages, because it's where you see if they need a bachelor's degree to even apply or what they're looking for, what they're offering. And those are usually the creme de la creme, right? It's like where everything is very shiny. So they look always very buttoned up and very at uniform is boring for lack of a better term. And then when I found your career pages on Chani, I, uh, first of all, <laughs> I was like, I wonder how many jobs I can do here. This is so great. <laughs> I would like to work there. <laughs> Sorry, Mo. But so I, that's where most of my questions come from. And that's why I sent an email asking for this interview is because I've never seen a career page that looks like yours. And specifically around the jobs are not that special to be honest, the roles that you're looking for are very normal, you know, like a social media manager. They're not these unicorn jobs that no one has ever heard of, but the benefits that you are offering and the way you're talking about how to be in your company and to exist in your company and how to even apply for this role is something I've never seen before. So will you give us a little window into what it was like to make decisions around writing those benefits and putting them on the internet? Like what meeting happened where you all were like, this stuff's not going to work. We're going to write our own. Well, yeah, I was going to say our job postings definitely are not shiny. As you were saying (laughs) that, I was like, oh God, what what do other people's look like? (laughs) Ours is just written by us. You know, so I, I mentioned that I'm the CEO of both companies. And so a lot of both companies have the exact same benefits. And a lot of these benefits were seeded at Freeform and brought over to Channing. Channing's a little newer of a company than Freeform. And I don't know if it's because I grew up in England and, you know, it's a country with a much wider social net than here, but it just never made sense to me that you would not pay a living wage. So for folks... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> For folks who don't know what I'm talking about, we have an $80,000 floor 
on salaries. And I think right now, actually, across both companies, nobody makes less than 85, but 80K is the floor. And that is based on what a living wage in LA is, because that's where we're based in LA, New York, you know, the, the more expensive cities, they're sort of comparable. I remember when I was setting up Free From with our benefits and, you know, uh, health insurance and all of that. And the lady on the phone said to me, well, how long after somebody starts do you want to wait before they get health insurance? And I just did not understand what she was talking about. 30 minutes. <laughs> I was like, well, they can get sick the day they start. And she was like, yeah, but it's really typical to have a probationary period. And I remember saying, why are you talking about probation? You're using carceral language in the context of employment. And what possible fallback does that person have if they get sick in those first three months? And what I really started to discover is I don't know what drives a lot of our norms around employment and benefits, but it definitely isn't logic. And it isn't even like math, you know, if I have hired you and I am paying you to do a job. I want you to be able to do that job to the best of your ability. One, because I can sleep at night having that power. And two, because it will help grow my company in the ways that I want to grow it. And not treating you like a member of my team from the day you get here doesn't help me. It doesn't help you. Having a you know probationary window on your employment in no way sets you up for success. Having you sick, but not having enough sick days or exhausted, but not having enough vacation time or any of these limitations that we put on people being able to live full and whole lives are deeply misguided as an employer. You know, like I'm not trying to appeal to hearts and minds when I talk to other employers, because if that was your orientation, you'd already be there. Um, I'm just trying to help you see the the benefits to you as a company. Mm-hmm. If people can thrive while working for you, the, the costs of burnout, the costs of turnover and rehiring and retraining, the costs of the toxicity that comes when people are not well are completely avoidable by just treating people like human beings with the right to live full lives and enjoy their work and be productive members of a team. Just makes sense. Uh, So, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And it's amazing because the conversation in our country especially in white Western business culture right now is uh, swerving, I think, into this like, oh, well, if you give, if you give benefits like this, like, which we'll hopefully go into in just a second, it's because of a DEI lens. It's because of, you know, like, this is what we got to do now, instead of it being that it's good business, and that both of those can exist, that actually humanity is good business. <laughs> you know, if your people thrive, and they trust you to take care of them, why wouldn't they take care of your business also? You know, exactly. they spend so much time with you. We talk often about that. Like I spend more time with people I work with than I do with my family. Yeah. So why wouldn't, you know, I, I'm with you. Totally. I think that part, I think, cause I think about it a lot. I think that part of what you are taught to do as a boss, employer, manager is dehumanize your employees. And I don't even know if there's a lot of thought that goes into why you're supposed to do that. I think it's just the norm. It's how you were treated. And therefore, it's 
what you do, but it doesn't, that's a huge problem. To dehumanize anyone is a huge problem, <laughs> but it, it also, you know, I was, I was with a group of very successful female business owners recently, and these are women at the absolute top of their profession and their companies and their companies, many of them had gone public and everybody was talking about how miserable they were mm. and how they didn't know if they loved their work anymore. And at the same time, everyone was talking about the cheapest way to extract labor from people. Mm. And I was watching it play out. And what I could see so clearly was when you dehumanize your employees, when you think about labor as something to extract, it's dehumanizing you too. And it's hurting <sighs> your soul as much yeah. as you are causing harm in the way that you are exploiting other people. Whoa. Um, we're only 17 minutes into this conversation. <laughs> and like, I feel like I want to cry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And isn't that amazing that when you're at the peak of your career, that it's still yeah. hard to draw the line between what I am doing to them, I'm also doing to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what are you waiting for? You know, yeah. like what is, what are those business leaders waiting for or what pressures are they up against? Yeah. You know, that what, what is the system selling them that tells them that they can only do that? Yeah. I think this boss employee conversation is very interesting too of like what a boss is supposed to do and what an employee is supposed to receive and I think those are getting messy now thanks to Gen Z I don't think yeah. it's all Gen Z's fault or deal or job to manage and push us forward into a new way but I think them putting up more boundaries around their time and around what they have expectations for is pushing us into a place like that, which is my next question of this is, are you seeing that? Are you seeing a lot of Gen Zers apply because you're mirroring their values as a generation? That's such a great question. I think we have, we have a full uh, spectrum of ages on the team. I do think we're seeing a lot of Gen Z apply, but I you know, when you try to do things differently, I think you attract a lot of different people who are tired of the norm. We have job postings that have had over a thousand applications. I believe it. And so that's why I'm like, I'm not really sure what the average age range is. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to work here. I just yeah. did my absolute best to read them all and give them my time. Oh yeah. What is clear though, is that people of all different generations have experienced some really awful workplaces. We had a conversation as a team on the Free From team a couple of weeks ago about how much our past work trauma follows us around. I was just talking about this. Yes, I agree. What did you find out? Well, one person on the team said, you know, I, I feel like enough already. Like, when am I going to be free of this? Because it's not my present, it's my past. And what I said to her was, we're all just walking around with our trauma. That's what we're all doing. <laughs> Whether it's work yeah. trauma or family trauma or some other type of trauma, we're all walking around with it. it to tell it to go away is not, you know, a, a winning fight, but to just always be conscious of it and, you know, thank it for showing up and thank it for the work that it's done to protect you in the past. And also I'm okay now. I'm safe now. I'm I'm not in that situation anymore, but it's really, I think so many employers are 
just doing what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And part of the blessing that I have is that I have questioned everything since birth. And I often talk to employers who, when I ask them, why do you do it that way? They say, I don't know. I just figured that's what I was supposed to do. And so as when I, when I hear some of the stories from our staff, I just think I can see exactly how that situation came to be. And let me be very, very, very clear. Neither Chani nor Free From is a perfect place to work. Never will be. I don't even think we're striving for, for perfection. What we're <laughs> striving for is to constantly be growing and learning and to be moving always in the di- direction of a place where people can thrive. But the good thing about having structures in place, which take time to build too, but the mm-hmm. good thing about having structures in place to support thriving is that it can get you quite far. Then it's the humans that come into the space and how those humans operate in that space. You know, me and Chani learning how to be better leaders always, but the structures themselves are solid and continuous and um, supportive outside of human error and human failure and human harm that can happen. Are you noticing with decisions that you're making inside of your business that you're making it out of, because you're standing next to your values or is it out of this like questioning of why does it have to be that way and let's find a different way is there a sturdy pinnacle in the middle of that doesn't make any sense but our values make sense to us and we're going to make decisions based off of our values or we're just going to like throw a Hail Mary pass and hopefully this works because we haven't seen it done before what is it that you're operating from on decision making I would say most of the time at this point now that we have teams it's listening to the teams and seeing what they want so we have one of the benefits that we have is unlimited menstrual leave. Someone joined the free from team. Her name is Hayson Kim. And on her first day, she said, you know, I read about menstrual leave. And it's something that's been tried and been somewhat successful in South Korea. And I think it's something that we should do. And I was like, that <laughs> sounds a great. great. First day. <laughs> that sounds well, great. Will you, will you? write up what you think the policy should include. And in her first week, she wrote it up. I said, that looks great. And shared it with the whole team. And now we had an unlimited menstrual leave policy. And, you know, how you implement these policies really is, it's less of there's a right way to do this. It's more like, well, what's going to work for this team? So we have unlimited vacation. And often people will say, well, I've heard unlimited vacation policies are just a scam. And no one actually takes them. Well, sure, they can be. And so what we try to do is every when anyone requests vacation, I ask them to put in their email, like how many days they've taken so far. And if, if we get to like September and you tell me that I've, you've only taken you know nine days, I'm going to say you need to find two more weeks before the end of the year. You know, <laughs> That's my job to do. I love this like opposite vacation pushing. <laughs> like, yeah, you haven't taken well, enough vacation. Get yeah, out of you here. Haven't. And it doesn't serve me if you don't, because yeah. I want your creative best and I want your healthiest and I want your most, like I hired you because I most likely I hired you because I love the way you think. And yeah. if you're too tired to think, what are we doing? And then the, the, you know, we also have six weeks of office closures where the whole office closes because there's nothing worse than going on vacation, knowing you're going to come back to the office and all your teammates are going to have filled your inbox. Mm -hmm. And so to have time where we just all stop and rest 
helps everyone. And then, to speaking of vacation pushing, we have a vacation stipend. <laughs> vacation pushing. I'm going to make that a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Vacation yeah. pusher. We have a vacation stipend because I don't want to hear that you couldn't afford to take vacation this year because of X, Y, Z. Here's the money. Wow. Go on vacation. It really is so detrimental to a company's potential when the people in it are burnt out. I'm just going to put a plug in for the book, Do Nothing by mm -hmm. Celeste Headley. Everyone should read it. It's a phenomenal book about how rest and switching off your brain and working less can help you much more effectively live out all your creative potential. And will you just dig a little deeper for me on Please. like, okay, are you seeing it pay off? Is it working? Because yeah. I just got given a four day work week this year and it was the exact, it felt the same in my body as getting an $80,000 raise. Yeah. Like my potential shot up. I'm a better mother. I'm a better partner. It's just like across the board, I'm a better employee. And I'm here for one last day. It's awesome. Yeah. But some people are still not believing that even the four-day work week is worth it, right? So the yeah. things you're saying, some people are like, excuse me, what? Money for vacation, right? So yeah, just confirm for us that this is not all just some wild thing and that your companies are working. They're right. actually wildly successful, everybody out there, P.S. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's working. I can't even imagine what it would be like if we didn't have all this in place, but it's working. And I feel like I have the absolute best job in the world and love every single day because I'm building something that's generative and uh, abundant and full of potential. And it's also the most difficult work in the world to do from my perspective yeah. to lead because you're constantly having to grow. Like yeah. your company will grow at the speed that you as an individual grow. And <laughs> That means you could not afford to miss a therapy session or a coaching <laughs> session or whatever work, emotional, psychological work you're putting off. You are you are costing your work, your business in, in doing that. But I say, yes, it's working. And I also say, yes, we've got so much more to do. And this will we will never be done building a company that people can thrive in. That is not like now we have all this. Now we can move on to something else. It's constantly yeah. being in communication with our team. As each team grows, the team's needs are different. The needs of each individual on the team are different. And so what I can confidently say we do well is we are committed to our own growth as leaders and we are committed to listening to the needs of our team and team members. And sometimes that makes you feel like you've completely failed. And sometimes you feel like a winner and just being in that process is what it's all about, I think. I love that. Okay, so let's get in the nitty gritty of some yeah. of these things because I yeah. have pretty specific questions, as yeah. you can imagine. Gender-based violence pay and protection leave. Just tell us what it is. Like, yeah. what does it entail? How is it working? We know that 60% of survivors of gender-based violence lose their job as a result of the harm. And no one should lose their job as a result of the harm. And when I say gender-based violence, I mean everything from intimate partner violence to sexual assault, to trafficking, to sexual harassment. We also know that on average, survivors use about 13 days of sick and vacation days a year dealing with the impact of 
being abused. But if you are relocating or going to court to get a restraining order or getting a rape kit done, you are neither on vacation nor are you sick. And yeah, part part of the way that we understand this problem of gender-based violence is, is it is a systemic problem, meaning it is created and perpetuated by our society. And therefore, the burden of the problem should not fall on survivors as individuals. It should fall on our society and the pillars of our society, one of which is employers. So gender-based violence paid and protected leave allows you to take I'm blanking on the number of days that we have. Allows you to take up to four, 20 days paid and protected leave to deal with, to heal from. Actually, I think the way that we worded it was to heal from. It doesn't have to be immediate aftermath. It can be long-term impact of. Gender-based violence experienced either by you or by an immediate family member. Could be a partner, a child. How do you get it? Because that's a question people ask. Mm -hmm. You just say, I need to take it. And the understanding is if you request this type of leave as opposed to vacation or sick, actually, no, not sick, as opposed to vacation, it's an automatic yes. So if you ask me for vacation, I might say, you know, we've got a huge launch happening that day. What's the plan for you being out? If you if you request this leave, you can also request it retroactively. You know, you weren't in the office yesterday or the last couple of days and you are here, you know, you retroactively uh, applying it to those days and future days. Who you go to, you have the option to go to a supervisor or HR or to come to, you know, either myself or Channing. People have done any of the above. And I won't ask any further questions. No one will ask any further questions. If you, you know, want help finding other resources or any other kind of support, we're here, but uh, we will defer to you on whether you want to talk about anything besides just requesting that leave. <sighs> that's, a, that's so awesome. I mean, I am going to direct everybody to go look at these uh, at your career page. You're probably going to get another thousand applicants, but (laughs) this is just one of many things in the list. And it's something I've never seen on a list before. And I don't know the weight of that in itself is that there are at least eight things on this list that I have never seen on anybody else's pages. And I have followed the rabbit Holy Spirit into the (laughs) internet to like, find places that look like this. So it's interesting to me to not even hear like what it is, but that it has a real deep root and what the process of asking for it is, because I think that often hangs people up. It's like, do I have to divulge everything in order to get that benefit? Mm -hmm. I think that is another interesting piece of emotional shrapnel that we Mm -hmm. have taken on as employees and employers is that I have to prove it to you in order to rest and heal and how interesting that is that we have figured out that we, if we get humans to prove that they need rest, that they won't take it as opposed to just, you deserve it. You should just take it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's better for my business if you rest and heal. And um, it's also a lot less time, energy, and money for me to operate from a place of trusting you than it is to operate from a place of not trusting mm-hmm. in, in every part of our lives, but especially in uh, the workplace. Yeah. Well, so that leads me into this next one about menstrual leave, which I love. I have uterus um, that's still bleeding. And <laughs> what's the deal with like disclosing that you have a uterus? You just say, I need menstrual leave. I, you got like need, a box to take, check. I need to take, oh, no, I don't ask if you have a uterus. 
I trust that if you're taking menstrual leave, it's because you need menstrual leave. And, you know, we say unlimited menstrual leave is kind of the short form, but it also covers people experiencing menopause, hairy menopause. But how do you take it? You do the same thing. You either text your supervisor, you can go to HR or China if you feel that's more comfortable than to go to your direct supervisor and you say, I need to take the rest of the day off or I need to take the day off or, you know, as many days consecutively or not consecutively as you need. And I mean, I have the same approach with sick day. I've never said anything, but get well soon. If someone tells me they're sick, I'm, I'm not questioning it. I'm not counting your days. I'm not making sure you haven't taken too many. Um, the same applies here. It's just, you know, what we always say is, it's incredibly painful for a lot of people to have a uterus and you are not sick. You are just living in the body that you are living in. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to distinguish menstrual leave from sick days. Amazing. We haven't even really dove in as a country to looking at that of what it even means to have a uterus that's actually functioning well, to be quite honest. Like even if your uterus is doing the A plus job, still not the best week of yeah. my life, you know? Yeah. So it is really and I just think no like, one should work means. through pain. <laughs> Amen. And part of what I noticed when we implemented unlimited menstrual leave was that people started to realize that they had been working through pain. And that's, you know, you mentioned earlier, like how much more you loved your job and how much more productive you were with a four, four day work week. My experience of the people on my team and most people, quite frankly, is everyone really wants to do a great job. Totally. And so most people will work past their body's capacity. And that is not a recipe for wellness. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is everything goes through cycles, seasons, cycles, the work goes through cycles, our days go through cycles, our weeks go through cycles, our bodies go through cycles. And capitalism teaches us to work against or separate from our own natural cycles. But those cycles naturally have rest and generativity baked into them. So mm -hmm. oftentimes capitalism says keep working even when you don't have any generativity in you and what you really need is rest. And so from my perspective, I, I we all always tell our staff, you work when you feel like you want to work. And by that, what I mean is we have some night owls on the team who work at night if that's preferred by them, you know, like, and so they don't, we, you know, if they're part of a meeting, we make sure that meeting happens later in the day because they aren't the morning people who are going to show up and have a bunch of ideas. And so why not work with everyone's individual rhythms? And so when we implemented the unlimited menstrual leave, then I noticed more people would say things like, I have a migraine. Can I take the rest of the day off? Separate from menstruating. Because this idea that, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't work through pain became part of the thought process and part of what they understood was, you know, okay on this team. Yeah, it is amazing how much pain we have trained ourselves to work through and yeah. actually have made little quips about it, right? Like no pain, no gain. Um, pain is just weakness leaving the body. Like oh, these terrible that things that, yeah, just tell us to keep doing it. Yeah. And in fact, that it's making us more admirable it's making yeah. us the best leader we could possibly be because we can suffer harder than anyone else what a wild thing I mean yeah. I've been thinking about 
Well, I listen, I listened to like a whole bunch of the things from the NAP ministry the other day. And while I was reflecting on whether or not my kid should stop taking naps like someday. And I ultimately, spoiler, came to like, no, she needs right. to rest. And right. we all need to rest. And in fact, we we take away rest so quickly and we don't just put in work in its place. We put in suffering. Yeah. We're like, oh, instead of this rest and wonderful time to rejuvenate, oh, you're five. So now you don't do that anymore. And instead you show us how much you can endure, which those aren't even like one for one in my book. <laughs> it's not even what I want. Like yeah. maybe if we got awesome snacks during that hour, I could maybe go one for one on that. But that's that seems like a not that's not a trade I'm willing to make. I've done it. You know, I've, I've made that I've trade in it. many places in my life, you know? Oh my God. And I've, I did it willingly. <laughs> willingly, proudly bragged yeah. about it at points in my life. I mean, I grew up with immigrant parents who preached work ethic as everything. Mm-hmm. I adopted that work ethic. I, you know, became that work ethic and I, I still have it. And it's now heavily balanced by an understanding of prioritizing my own wellness, but it took a lot of unlearning, random <laughs> uh, health problems. Yeah. And, you know, it took suffering to really yeah. realize it. And until I could do it for myself, there was absolutely no way that my, I could do it for my team. And part of yeah. what really helped me take better care of myself was I, it was so important to me that I take care of my team. And huh. I knew that I could say whatever I wanted, but ultimately they were going to look at what I did. Mm-hmm. And that was the real kind of impetus for getting me to take better care of myself. Wow. That's amazing that it wasn't actually an intrinsic. Like, oh my God, no. It wasn't like my body is telling me something. It was like, my body was those telling bodies me. It was yelling at me. me. <laughs> it was yelling at me, but I just didn't have any kind of framework for how you listen to your body. So I ignored it. It got louder. I ignored it. It got louder. Working all nighters was something that I was intrinsic to who I thought I was for a long time. And now I run two companies. And I work less than I've ever worked in my life. I don't work evenings. I don't work weekends. And it's the most generative and the most productive and the most close to my own creative capacity that I've ever felt. Wow. Yeah. See, I told you I knew what was happening. I knew this interview. <laughs> I knew. I know fool. Okay. So uh, around this 80K floor, first of all, there's not very many places that name their floor. <laughs> uh, how. Some people, most job postings, first of all, don't have a floor. If they do have a floor, it's minimal. The floor is minimal. And it's just in their stating like, this is starting pay. They like use all these magical, vague words. But what we know to be true is that that work that they're hiring for, someone else is doing. So since your floor is higher at 80K than a lot of others like starting places, is that work just building for someone else until you have the 80k to spare to hire that person. I think it's probably apples to apples in the sense of those companies that might have 30k lying around as opposed to 80k are also paying the person who's doing the work that this new person is going to do less too. So just what they're spending on staff salaries is lower. That's the first thought I have. The second thought is if they have a 30k floor 
then they're just spending their money on hiring costs instead of on paying people salaries that they would want to stay at your company on and so or live on yeah so instead exactly so instead of you spending your money on salaries you're choosing to spend your money on turnover rehiring retraining big HR departments to lead, to deal with mass layoffs, Far lawyers that come things. with, you know, so you, yeah. I, I would put money on the fact that we're spending the same money. We're just spending it differently, mm, but I absolutely love that. to answer your question that this is true of any workplace that when a new person gets hired, when a new job position opens up, someone was doing that work before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes Shani and I, or like, how many of these jobs were we doing before we hired a team? <laughs> um, and that is absolutely, there's always such a celebration for the person who gets a new hire on their team because someone was doing that or they were all doing that. And I'm always kind of ear to the ground, like who's who needs more capacity on their team? And that's mm-hmm. how we, that's how we decide to open up new positions is where is somebody doing too much? They need support. Let's hire to build that team out. I just want to put a pin in this in right here that what I'm hearing so often in this conversation is taking the, the other door. Because often I think the door people want to walk in is like, who's not doing enough in here? Whose job can we actually shift out of? Or oh where God. can we save costs, right? Instead of it being like, who's doing too much in here? Like what's who has six jobs in this room? Um, and again, like who's working through pain in here yeah. or who's not making a living wage, right? I think those those questions are so interesting because maybe we as a society aren't brave enough to ask those questions yet because we'll be mm-hmm. called to answer for them, right? We'll be mm-hmm. called to task on fixing it, which we should. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we should. That's how we get people to thrive. But I mean, we talk about often, Mo and I, about that happiness and thriving are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Happiness is fleeting and it's, you know, you can eat an entire pizza and feel very happy in the moment, but thriving is completely different. And thriving is hard because building a thriving place requires some of these things that you're saying. Like you have to ask the question in a different way because actually the thing you're trying to solve for isn't getting answered with the other question. It's not getting answered with the like capitalistic view only like profit being your only North star, North star isn't going to work for so long. So you got to ask a different question. I love that. Um, I have 477 other questions, but we are close to the end of time. So I'm going to ask you three really rapid fire questions. Okay. What are you listening to this week? What are you loving lately? And what is living rent free in your mind? What am I listening to this week is this is going to sound really cheesy, but it's true. I'm ready for it. Actually, I should say I'm listening to holiday music because I am. <laughs> but really what I'm listening to is my body. So I am uh, a little over seven months pregnant. So I am at Whoa. that beautiful early third trimester stage where all kinds of new things are happening in here. <laughs> And I am just trying to keep up. And so my immediate response to what's living rent free in your mind is there is a very large parasite living rent free in my body right now. Yeah. Um, But what is living rent free in my mind? I had a really big kind of aha moment this weekend to my point earlier about my job as a leader or my commitment as a leader is to always be doing my work. And what I really got to 
between processing with my wife and therapy and a coaching session and a lot of yeah. uh, internal work was I had the childhood experience of being a parentified child of, you know, mm. like, you know, being every, every adult's therapist and caretaker and always leading. And I just got to witness and recognize this weekend that that part of me sometimes is present in my leadership. And that part of me, that young part of me is really has no place in my leadership and is mine to kind of say, thanks for being here. I'm an adult. I've got this. I can lead. You can go play video games. Mm -hmm. And that until this weekend, I don't think I had ever comprehended that it's okay that sometimes I don't want to lead. And that a necessary part of being a leader and being well as a leader is to also recognize your own humanity and your own limitations and, and the reality that sometimes you're not going to want to do that. And that's yours to hold. And it's not yours to make any of your, you know, team members problems, but in your quiet moments and in your personal moments, to just be like, let's take the leadership hat off now and just be. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that little girl part of me knows that, knows that she gets to not do that. And so that was a huge, 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 and that has been living rent free in my mind and will continue to no doubt for the next couple of months as I really integrate it. Mm -hmm. What was your third question? What you're loving lately? I am loving the change in seasons. I live for the holidays. I mean, especially Christmas. I'm I'm not even a Christian. I'm a Hindu, but I grew up <laughs> in England. And so Christmas is life. Uh, the holidays are. And so this is like the best time of the year with Samhain and Halloween and uh, Thanksgiving or taking and winter solstice and Christmas this is like when I really come alive I'm not a summer summer person so I am loving all the lights I'm loving all the dark early nights and all the Christmas shopping that I'm already doing and uh, I'm I'm loving it and you're gonna have a holiday baby I'm gonna have a January baby holidays I mean hopefully a January baby (laughs) hopefully she doesn't come early Um, yeah but Capricorn wow. is a Capricorn baby is what we're thinking of it. Gonna oh. Yeah, I remember seven months pregnant being like, all my organs are reorganizing themselves right reorganizing. now. Reorganizing. And there is if you if your do. head is there, then where are my lungs? <laughs> yeah. Why is it hard for me to sit in this chair? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. This has been unbelievable. Thank you so much Thank for you. spending this time with me. Um, this is a joy. I could have talked to you for another two hours. Anytime you want to, um, <laughs> I'm up for it. I will move all my calendar for that, <laughs> those two hours. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you.